prepared. So do me a favor and head over to pageantlaunch.com. We are starting the world's first dedicated pageant review site to make the pageant industry safe, transparent, and fair. Three things that I know it is most of the time, but it's not like that all of the time. So head over to pageantlaunch.com, enter your email address, it's completely free, and let's get you to this episode. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Tatum from the Pageant Project, and I have someone I just saw. Was it five days ago? Six days ago? Natalie yeah. Carley. Natalie, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me back. I honestly didn't think I'd ever get another invite back, to be honest. So <laughs> you left that much of an impact, did you? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> It's always good to go uh, notice <laughs> rather than unnoticed, especially in the world of pageantry. All right, so Natalie is director of, I'm going to try that word, director of Miss Voluptuous and founder of the Pageant Planner Po. Natalie, do you want to rattle off quickly everything else that you are? Because I know you're <laughs> a lot of things. Oh. I've your title as well. So, so yeah, many people would agree with me. I'm Royal International Miss Role Model England. I'm also the founder of Q4 Collective and Q4Volunteer.com. Okay. So the first question is, why do you hate free time so much? <laughs> um, I'm one of these people. Okay. Oh, wow. Let's just dive in really deep, really quickly. I'm one of these people. that I, I know who you are, so we don't have to waste time with all the pleasantries, <laughs> like how are you and all that. Like, yeah, yeah, let's go right course. to the... I feel I'm, I'm one of these people that I feel kind of a little bit lost and like like a little bit of a void if I don't have like lots going on. And I found that actually um, a lot of people who have previously suffered like from an anxiety, <clears throat> get the words out, feel the same. So kind of if you when you stop, everything seems to stop um, mm. and that can be quite unnerving. So I like to just keep juggling just keep it going keep the energy going and um yeah it saves me from driving myself up the walls so <laughs> is that a common thing in pageantry i mean you've, you've interacted with pageant girls just as much as i have that seems to be a really common theme like literally if i stop doing yeah. stuff i don't exist is that yes. have you found it to yeah. be quite a common trait exactly yeah i actually have and to be honest it's mostly people um in pageant land that i have found that with so yeah i think you've nailed it there yeah we oh, all hate free time <laughs> yeah, Nicola has said yes, Natalie, and agreed. Um, so, guys, if you have any questions for Natalie, whether you're tuning in as one of her delegates, a sister queen, a fan of the pageant planner, or just a good human being, then just put the <laughs> put the comments um, in Facebook um, or on YouTube, and I'll pass them on to Natalie. Uh, but Natalie, why don't you catch us up with? I don't know. Let's go with what an average day in the life looks like. I mean, you have so many things <laughs> going on. Yeah. So how do you manage to balance it all? Like, how do you know when you're supposed to be doing something for pageantry versus something for your own system versus something for something else? Um, initially, I had to make lists for everything. And it was literally the list making process that led me to creating the pageant planner. Um, but now yeah. I kind of work off intuition. So if I know that there's something that needs my attention, whether it's social media, whether it's emails, whether it's applications, whether it's packaging um, planner orders, I kind of just 
I, I get a feel for it and like what needs to be done. But in the beginning, it was a real struggle. I, I really did struggle to kind of keep everything in order and keep myself organized. Um, but yeah, it, I, to be honest, I do do it a little bit off intuition now. Well, you've been you've been doing it for a while, so that makes sense. It's yeah. sort of become more automatic. I should have exactly. asked this before. Do you actually have a copy of the planner near to hand? I, I do. I'll have to go off camera to grab it, but I can definitely. That's fine. Do, that. do, do you want to grab it? Let's do a I bit know, of a show yeah. and tell. Sure. Go for it. All right. So, guys, I'll get um, Natalie to to bring the planner on. I know a lot of you watching probably either know of it or actually have it. In fact, if you have one, let us know in the comments. Um, but a lot of people have said really good things about the planner. So I'm going to get Natalie to show it to you. I've actually never seen it in person myself. So this will be a good chance for us to see what's what. Natalie, I'm just saying a lot of people watching probably either have the planner or definitely know of it. So I thought this would be a good chance for people to actually see it. So do you want to do a bit of show and tell? What I might actually do for this whilst you do that, I'll blow up your video a bit bigger so that when you show it, um, people can actually see it a bit better. All right, so I'm still here, but do you want to do a bit of show and tell with the, with the planner? Sure. Um, so this is the original planner. Um, it's called This Is My Year. And this planner is ideal for um, people who are still competing, who haven't won their title yet. So even if it's um, like national or international level competition, it's a really good all-rounder product. Um, and there are lots of different sections in it. And the real focus is on mindset, because I know that a lot of people having spoken to them about their pageant journey have found it. At, you get to a point in it where you feel like you've either hit a roadblock or you're starting to get a little bit overwhelmed. And certainly towards the end of the prep um, journey and towards the beginning of gearing up for competition, you start to lose track of like fundraising and appearances. So I just I was looking for something that I would use that I would benefit from and I couldn't find a printed product and there were lots of gorgeous options for you know print out yourself and create your own binder which I thought was amazing yeah. but as someone who is you know a little bit grab grab it and dash out the door kind of thing I knew that you know the leaves would come loose things would get torn out and I've got two children as well so mm. They like to go through stuff. Um, and I just had a bit of a fear of losing the pages. So with this, it is wire bound, you know, so the the pages are really secure. The paper is really thick quality paper. It's not going to fall out. Um, and so I just started with one of my favorite quotes by Misty Copeland, start unknown, finish unforgettable. Uh, yeah, and yeah. there are like a lot of um, kind of inspiring quotes throughout at the beginning of every section. There's an inspiring quote. So you can just put your information in the front here. Um, this planner belongs to title, email, and emergency contact, just in case you misplace mm -hmm. it, but hopefully you won't. And then there are sections for like mindset mastery. So there are things like my 10 favorite affirmations, um, things I'm grateful for, inspirational people I admire. And then you've got um, contacts. So for your pageant team, your sponsors, your sister queens, and the all-important two-page budget plan. Um, there are sections for competition, wardrobe. I'll just get you a little bit closer because my screen's glowing it out there. Yep, there you great. Go. Yep. Um, and then just things like, you know, a, a review of the month, favorite memories, things that you learned, goals for next month. And I think it's really important to do a, a monthly review so that you know where you're at, where you need to be, if you've hit your targets yet. 
Um, there's like a monthly overview as well with notes section, um, nice. and it's completely undated. So your oh, your best okay. ever starts when you're ready. Okay. So does it actually have? This is probably just my mistake. Now that I'm thinking about it, does it actually have? It's not a calendar, then, is it? I mean, it no. has a calendar section, but yes. it's actually because my planner has a calendar in one. So when I saw page and plan, I was thinking, oh, it's like a daily organizer as well. But it's mm -hmm. not that. It's more specifically to help you plan out and flesh out your your plan your, for the year for your reign or for your run exactly. at the title. Exactly that. Okay, perfect. Well, you've got a lot of people here. Guys, if you have any questions about the planner, now would be the perfect time to ask. Um, I do have one, uh, Natalie, which is if people want it, how yeah. do they get it and what countries can you ship to? Well, we have predominantly shipped to the States, so we know we can do that. And we rush shipping, so it's it literally goes from my door to my client's door within two to three days, so it's very fast. We have shipped oh, wow. to... We can, we can ship to Australia, we've shipped to Canada, obviously all across the UK and Ireland, so we know we can get them to Europe as well. Um, we have had inquiries about shipping to South Africa and India, which we know we can do also, so you can get it at thepageantplanetco.com, which is my website, or you can head to our Facebook page as well, and that's the Pageant Planner Co. Okay, Pageant Planner, say that again, pageantplanetco.com. Yes. Okay. All right. Where is um where is the most sort of remote location or unexpected location that you've shipped one to? Guam. Guam, really? Yeah. That's that's so funny. Just because I had an application for my book from Miss Guam Earth, so um, that, that, that's been on my. I got to say, I'm I'm ashamed. I don't know where Guam actually is, but um, do do you know where it is? Yes, I, I do. It's um it's quite near to you actually. It's uh it's in Micronesia. Um, it's actually right. a U.S. territory, but it is much closer to you than it is the U.S.A. I think it's like a 32-hour flight or something from the States, um, depending on where you are. It's, it's a crazy long way. Yep, that sounds like Australia in general. It's 32 or 48 hours away from everything and everyone, although in 2020 that hasn't been so much of an issue. Okay, so that is the planner. And Natalie... Did you say there are different versions of it yes. or is it just the one version? So this one is the World Domination Planner and it's mm -hmm. been specifically designed for the big competitions. Hi, Jules. Um, so it's been designed for the bigger competitions. So there are, you know, things about media prep, press release prep. There are a lot right. more sections for competition wardrobe, for appearance wardrobe. Um, you know, there's training notes. There's a much thicker section at the back that's about training and prep. There is a 12-week workout tracker instead of a six-week workout tracker. There is a lot more of the, the kind of travel section where you can keep your travel information up to date. Mm -hmm. um, we've increased that. So there's just a lot more in there, and it's much more geared to that kind of bigger level competition. Um, also appreciating that anyone going to a bigger competition is likely to be crowned at national level first. So there is a, a like right. handover section. It's a bit about leaving a legacy, things that you tell your successor and, and pearls of wisdom to pass on and that kind of thing. Wow. Um, and ways to plan out your handover speech as well so you don't kind of do what I did and just ramble for a minute on stage. You hand over your title. Too. <laughs> yeah. so, that, so, that, so the world domination one is it's mainly aimed at, let's say, a national queen going to compete at internationals. Is that yes. right? Yeah. 
Right. Okay. And if there's someone who's, let's say, competing at a national competition, they should get the, the other version. What's the other version called? The other version is called This Is My Year. This is my um, year. But we also have Living the Dream, which is for if you have already won your title and you're not progressing to another level of competition, because obviously the sections will vary. Um, once you've already won your title, you're probably not going to need sections for competition wardrobe and that kind of thing. Um, so we've got Living the Dream, which is perfect for someone who's won their national or international title. Um, then we've got the one, obviously, that we're working on um, called Make It Rain, and that's specifically for Lindsay, Miss Earth. Um, and that's going to be a combination of all of the planners, and then we've got the Life of Boss planner, which is just coming out. Um, and that is for anybody inside or outside pageantry who just wants to boss their life and nail their mindset. So I'm really, really excited for that one. And it looks a little bit different. So it's not Speaking of Miss Earth, you've got oh. Laura, the director oh, of Miss Earth. Thank you so much, Laura. For Hello, Laura. She's amazing, absolutely incredible. And she's up for Director of the Year and has just one Director of the Year as well, I believe. So go and vote for her on Pageant Planet. Well, has she won already? In which case, we don't need to vote for her. I but if no, she, she hasn't. Recently, uh, recently won uh, a different award. I can't remember which competition it was. I'm sorry, but she did. She did she's incredible. So what a role model for the rest of us. Uh, yeah, I saw it. It's, it's, I'm struggling to keep up with it because I haven't been on, well, I haven't been on social as much as I would normally be. Laura, so thank you so much. Look, Laura, if, if you've won, congratulations. And if you haven't won yet, then I'm sure you will win. So, um, Natalie, you, you, I think it's your microphone or something is rustling against the pageant planner. So just watch out because it's making a, or it might be the sound of rustling the pages. Um, oh, maybe, yeah. I want to say I'm not very technical, but that wouldn't be true. So, okay. <laughs> no, I just think you're rustling the pages, and because there's such thick quality, we can hear the rustling. So just um, just like watch out for that. Reason here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can tell even from the video because you know when you get like flimsy, cheap stuff, and it kind of like it, it folds. I don't know if you can. It, it's yeah. flimsy, whereas yeah. that that quality paper, you can see that it actually kind of stays quite rigid as you turn it over. So. You can see as, the quality even in as video. As a stationary enthusiast, there's nothing worse than writing on a page and the pen bleeds through, especially if you're trying mm. to pack a lot of information in. You know, you don't want things to start getting splotchy on the other side. So that's why we went for the the much thicker paper. It's almost like cardstock. So yeah, it feels nice. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, but it's appropriate for pageantry as well. I think, you know, when everything you want it to look amazing, you don't want your planner to be sort of bleeding through. I think it would just yeah, exactly. ruin the whole look. Uh, okay, so that's the pageant planner. Um, how long have you been doing that for, Natalie? I I started working on it. So I started doing the research uh, several years ago for it and just kind of put it on the back burner. Like I, I didn't realise that it was something I could do. And then back in, it must have been September last year, maybe the end of August, I started making inquiries with people who had stationary businesses who could collaborate with me and, you know, make it work because I had no idea how to do it. And the response that I came across again and again was pageants, people do that or people still do that or is that still a thing? Mm -hmm. And I think like a lot of them just decided it really wasn't worth their time. So I taught myself. Uh, I taught myself. I It took me... Um, I mean, we didn't release it until January, so it took me kind of three or four months to to nail the content, what was going to be in there, and mm. then nail the design. So every single page is individually 
designed individually color coded you know there wasn't a way to make everything the same color so it was a process for sure um, and then finding a printer who would work with me who would give me the quality that I wanted and wasn't going to you know charge through the roof that was another yeah. journey in itself so it has been a journey but we have we've hit some really incredible milestones we've we've you know got it in some really incredible competitions as well so I'm, I'm mm. just really super grateful for the support of the pageant community across the world it's been phenomenal uh, you mentioned that you've had most of your sales in america mm-hmm. is there have you been able to work out why there's more of a demand for it in america than probably anywhere else i think that um people People, I think this is a conversation we may have had on the podcast that um, we did. I'm the, giving you another um, chance to have another American, go at it. Why not? American pageant girls really do. Not to say that UK pageant girls and other pageant girls don't give it their 100 percent all. Oh, my director's on. How lush! Hi, Ollie. Um, <laughs> not to now say you have that. To be <laughs> oh, oh, well. She, she you got to stop cursing he knows what she signed up for. Um, I just think that... What she signed up for. You <laughs> yeah. what you signed up for. You know what she signed up for. Um, but no, I, I think that, um, you know, there is a lot, there seems to be a lot more hype about pageantry in the States. Um, I know that if you speak to girls from the UK, certainly the, the same mm. frustration that we come across again and again is that people outside of our community really don't take it very seriously. And so it's it becomes difficult then um to to be yeah. taken seriously in general um but i just think it's it's the numbers game to be honest there are a lot more pageants a lot more systems and a lot more competitors in the states because it's so vast and um so diverse it's phenomenal yeah it, it's seen more legitimately i think in the states from having Definitely. interviewed people obviously in the states versus the uk and australia yeah. if you are a title holder of any sort of esteem in the united states people actually recognize you like yes. just if you out to dinner or something like that whereas i don't think in uk or australia that that would actually happen at all unless maybe you were a miss universe and yes. I, I don't know but exactly the, um, the level of uh i guess professionalism in the pageant industry mm-hmm. in the us is, is still i think ahead probably of most every every other country okay. uh so that does that's not a surprise okay so that's the pageant planner and that's huge so guys if you want to order one i'm sure it'd make a perfect christmas present for a pageant addict (laughs) so um head over to the pageant planner it's pageantplannerco.com right the the pageantplannerco.com it's okay you're you're doing fine you're doing great adrian i'm gonna coach you through this we're gonna we're gonna be okay Oh, my brain. Okay, so go there, <laughs> buy the planner. Now planner, let's talk about let's talk about the other thing that takes your time, apart from being a title holder yourself, which is yeah. Miss Voluptuous. Yeah. Why did you start that? How is it going? Tell us everything about Miss oh, Voluptuous. Honestly, I don't know where to start. Um, it's always really overwhelming to talk about because it's just it's so it's. It's incredible. The, the journey has been mad. Um, it hasn't been without its bumps in the road, don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm sure any pageant director will be able to say the same. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think in any in any community or industry where there is a level of competition or where um, you know, women are seemingly 
seemingly and and I do say the word seemingly with with emphasis pitted against each other and that was a question mm. that I was asked in in a radio interview I was completely not prepared for why would you um why would you call yourself you know an, an empower of women when you pit them against each other and I was I was just I didn't know what to say I, I froze um I have a great answer for I that could have told you. yeah I could have told yeah. you what to say <laughs> well, uh, well now my response would be you wouldn't ask that to a male athlete at the top of his game. When he competes in the Olympics, you're not asking him how he feels about being pitted against somebody else. Um, it's, it's, it's no different from a high-level sport, in my opinion. Um, it's yeah. not a question that, that men at the top of their game who are vying for a promotion, who are athletes, it's not a question that they get asked. It's only a question that pageant girls seem to get asked because there's a perception that it's about physical um, a physical aesthetic when it's just not you know um, so how did it begin great question I competed in a plus size system in 2015 and had an absolutely cracking time um, and it was glitz and glam and gorgeous girls and so much fun and um, the the only thing for me was that you know I, I didn't have the same stage presence and confidence that the other girls had but I did have a huge passion for volunteering. I had a huge passion for giving back. Um, I've been volunteering since I was 19, before I even knew pageants existed. Um, and, you know, really wanted to, to do more. Um, and so I started looking around for pageants that had kind of that platform basis more, um, but in an environment that was still safe to me because I started pageants. I, I wasn't I wasn't even particularly way into the plus size category. I think I was about a size UK 16. Um, mm -hmm. but I had no confidence. Um, I had you know, I had two very young children. I was in, um, you know, a very open about the fact that I was in quite a toxic marriage. And I just didn't have very much confidence at all. And it was just a way for me to meet people who were like me, um, who had the same goals and aspirations as me, um, but in a safe environment. So it was just about kind of creating something that combined the two, um, something that was a little bit different that hadn't been done yet. So I combined, you know, an emphasis on platform and service and volunteering with, um, you know, a safe space for plus size women. And, um, you know, the, the pageant world as as a whole is very diverse and very accepting of contestants of all sizes. And I, I think it's really important that as a director of a plus size system, that I recognize that um, this wasn't about kind of creating a divide. It was very much about helping women to fall in love with pageantry the same way that I did in an environment that that was felt that felt safe for them and you know release them into the world like fledglings um and see where they wanted to go from there and and some of the ladies who have been through um the Miss V system have gone on to compete in other systems and win other titles and it's it's beautiful to see you know I always maintain that every woman who's been through the doors at Miss V is phenomenal in her own way and I stand by that you know um wholly and you know we've, we've been going for four years now the contestants have raised I think over 15,000 pounds for various charities across the year um they've logged thousands and thousands of volunteer hours and, and generally made a difference in their local and wider communities and it's just something that is absolute joy to do day in day out and something that I'm very very proud of 
So on that note, what are you most proud of in terms of having your own system now running it for a few years? I mean, if you had to narrow narrow it down to one, two or three things, what are you most proud of either yourself accomplishing the system or the girls who've been through your system? I think a combination of the two would be us reaching international level. So I believe we are one of the first um, systems to have started in the UK that will be holding an international pageant stateside. I don't know. Um, I don't know of many other systems that have started in the UK, um, if any other than Miss World that have done that. So that was a massive achievement for us as a system, um, and for for me as a director. I know that there were a lot of um, there were a lot of naysayers who kind of didn't think that it had the staying power to make it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know how how could I not be motivated to push harder when I have such incredible women um, making that job so easy so you know they keep me motivated with um, their integrity their determination um, and their advocacies they are so so inspiring that I had to keep pushing and do more and offer more for them Um, and now you know I've I've got queens I've got queens in Guam I've got I've got a queen in Australia I've got queens in the states Mm. I've got queens in Europe now Um, we've got our first Queen um, from Africa. We've got Miss Ghana that we're about to announce any day now. So um, it's it's the the vision is is growing. the The system is growing, and it's it's mind blowing for me that um, that we're here and we've grown so much in a relatively short space of time. And it's all owing to the women who make the system and us the contestants wholly. What what is the vision for the system, Natalie? I mean, I'm sure it's evolving as you. It's because it sounds like you sort of didn't know how far you could reach, and then you got there, and then you can reach further. So, so what is the vision at the moment? It's more to be. It's a pageant, 100% a pageant, but more than that, mm. it's an empowerment program. Um, I, you know, like I say, I, I found my way into pod, uh, into pageants as a way of building my own confidence, and um, I I just want to help other women realize the potential that they have um every woman is a goddess and deserve to feel like it we just have to bring it out sometimes and i find that the Mm. sisterhood element of what we have really helps they really do kind of support each other and spur each other on Um, and so the vision for me is to continue to be able to see miss voluptuous as an empowerment program um, in which women can you know, have a platform and use their voice for their advocacy or their passions and things that they're passionate about. Um, yeah, and just continue to reach for the stars, really, which they seem to be phenomenal yeah. at. And uh, if someone wants to apply, so and you probably have to break this down into into separate countries. So, yeah. you know, if someone wants to apply, let's say in Australia versus mm-hmm. applying in the UK. So, how do they walk us through the um, the application process? So it's 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 a little bit oh here she is um Miss, Daniel, Miss don't do that oh no that's so that's so dangerous <laughs> she's can we just just i just want to stop and show a little bit of love for danielle she literally we've not been friends for very long um but i can't i literally can't imagine life without her she's such a great little motivator um, an absolute firecracker is danielle so this girl's serious love for her. Um, so to I'm saying too many her. nice things about Danielle. I've been <laughs> saying nice things about Danielle to her this week. I don't want her to, you know, her head to, the crown won't fit anymore. It is. 
She is humble to the core. I don't think that's even possible. She is a good, honest, humble London girl. Um, so I don't think the ego inflation is yeah. even there. I just don't think it's a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of applying, um, for example, if you are outside of the UK, um, you can apply at www.missvoluptuouspageants.com. And if you are from the UK, you can apply at www.missvoluptuousuk.co.uk. I didn't think that out very well, did I? <laughs> I, I you realized, want to, I, we can, you can yeah. change your domain name over if you want to. Uh, yeah. that, that can be done. I, I feel like I probably should. I think we're, we're there now, aren't we? That's just, it's so it's so wordy. And, yeah, just stumble on that a lot. Um, you know, the word voluptuous is, is a challenge for a lot of people as it is. So remembering the, the spelling, spelling and yeah, the, the, yeah. A weird word. Isn't it? It's three using it, yeah. I don't know. But it's, I was going to say, do very, I know any other words that have three using it? But it ha it's apt. You know, it describes um, a a confident, curvaceous woman who is proud of her body and owns yeah. being sexy as well. Because that's another thing. Like curvy women deserve to feel every bit as gorgeous as confident and as sexy as uh, you know women who who maybe don't have curves and it's not about comparing a straight size body to uh <laughs> there you go that there it's come out voluptuous not voluptuous yeah we get that a lot um but it's not about comparing body types okay. every body is beautiful and body positivity is not just for plus size bodies it is for slim size bodies short bodies tall bodies you know it's for literally everybody and i think that's super super important um that we advocate for body positivity for all bodies not just plus size bodies Fantastic. hi galaxy pageants because i know hello maria i know that there's been a spate recently i don't know how recently but of um skinny shaming which is just as bad as, no. as fat shaming. Like people, no. like there'd be a young girl, I think she's about 21, 22 on a train and a, a guy, it's, it's very often men, an older man looks at her and says that she should eat a burger, but not realizing that she's been through, um, she used to be overweight and then she had an eating disorder, became anorexic. Yeah. And I just think to be told, people don't realize how impactful that casual judgment can be. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not even going to say that came from a good place because I don't think it does. No. But body positivity, as you say, is for funny. everyone. Yeah, I think people think that they're being funny um, or, or make off-the-cuff comments and don't realise how hurtful it is. But mm. um, I think commenting on, on someone else's body, it's just bizarre to me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm the worst for being like, oh, my God, your figure's incredible. Um, <clears throat> but... Um, I, I, I randomly blurt out compliments to strangers in the street. I'm really weird like that. But, um, you know, to, to comment okay. on someone <laughs> like, oh, my God, your outfit's gorgeous. And, and there are there are Facebook uh, statuses dedicated entirely to this. I had a conversation outside my house one day with a girl who's just walking past. And I was like, your dress is beautiful. And she stopped and she told me where it was from, where I could buy it from, how much it was. I'm saying, oh, I've got a new friend. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> Have you ever but, done yeah. that to a man walking by? And how did the man take it? I think that I think that would be Your body looks gorgeous. Okay. Oh yeah, that might be a little bit predatory. I'd probably um <laughs> probably avoid that, maybe. Uh, <laughs> as a Fair as enough. a feminist woman, I can't really advocate for cat calling men. Um cat calling's not cool, don't do that. Um 
but yeah, you know, I think the commenting negatively on any any size body blows my mind. Why would you do that? Um, it's a, it's a very strange thing. And uh, even I've gone through body shaming, um, and mm. you know, I, I consider myself to be very average um, in size and height and everything else. And I grew up being told that. You know, I was built for comfort and not speed. And um, I remember my mum told me she took me to a dance school. It was one of the most prestigious dance schools where I lived. And um, I wanted more than anything to be a ballerina. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not particularly graceful. I have no rhythm. Um, but the, the the instructor, the um, the director of the dance school, she looked me up and down. I couldn't have been older than maybe four or five. And she said, she'll never dance. She's got the wrong body. Um, and that was the first time I experienced body shaming. I was like four or five. Um, and that's really stuck with me. Um, and, you know, I have a daughter who is seven and mm. she is shaped very much like I was as a child, um, except she's much, much taller than I was. She's she's going to be so, so tall. Um, but, you know, people think it's OK to say that she's fat and she's a little girl. She's not fat. Um, she is growing. She's energetic. She is sporty. She is a little girl. And we have to stop this casual body shaming with saying that someone's too thin or someone's too fat. And, you know, my my, my son and my daughter are polar opposites of each other. My son is super slim. Um, and my daughter, she has got she's got a good solid build. Um, and that's okay. And both body types are okay. They're changing, they're children. Um but, you know, it's it's a very common thing. And, you know, children are taught from a very young age to think that they are fat or to think that they need to watch what they eat and are kind of hyper, hyper aware. And I even had a conversation with my children's school a couple of days ago because my son came home and said, you know, as of January, um, Oh, Catherine, we it's the horrendous the most horrendous dance school experience. I I wholly felt that deeply. Um but my, my son came home from school and she said he said, as of January we're getting our lunch boxes checked um to make sure that they're healthy. And it's it's quite yeah. Um and so I I, <laughs> I went a little bit mama bear. I went into the office and I said, I need clarification on this. I need to know yeah. what the children have been told. I need to know the reason that they're being told their lunchboxes are being checked. And, you know, the, the teacher, she explained it well enough. You know, they want to make sure they're getting a balanced meal. And I know that, you know, that can be a problem in schools. And that's not usually um, ignorance of nutrition. That's usually an affordability factor. I think that's what I mean. Yeah. It wouldn't work because if you're going to then, the, the, the kid would feel ashamed that they've come from a poor family, poor that they can't afford a well-balanced, nutritious meal. That's not going to work. It's, you know, my my daughter, she immediately said to me, you know, will I still be able to have a, a penguin in my lunchbox? And I think that's the same as a Tim Tam. Tim Tam. Um, yeah. It's the worst like, Tim Tam. Can I still have one of those or... Or will it make me fat? And like, I feel quite emotional saying that out loud. My seven-year-old is asking me, is that going to make me fat? Mm. And I, I don't understand why. I think there are better ways to approach it. And I, I, do, I do genuinely believe that this is an income problem, not a nutrition problem. 
Um, yeah. I, at, you know, this is actually my children's second school. And, and the first school that they went to, um, my daughter came home. She said, I had a snack warning today. And I'd got her some, um, I think it's called top corn. A snack warning? Yeah. So she, I sent her into school with a bag of what's called top corn. And it's got, it's like 90 calorie bag of popcorn um, because I like it. And I sent her into school with it and it was chocolate. Um, but like I say, 90 calories, a completely green wheel on the front of the nutrition wheel. And she was told that she shouldn't have chocolate covered popcorn. And it wasn't chocolate covered. It was like a, a really sad dusting of cocoa on the uh, on the popcorn. And then she she came home and she said, Mommy, I got a snack warning. She was six at the time. She said, but I don't understand because they sell popcorn in the snack shop. Uh. So because uh -huh. she bought it from home and it was it was chocolate or cocoa uh, popcorn, she'd been told that she wasn't allowed it. Um, so I think there's a lot of work to be done around um, education with nutrition and affordability factor absolutely needs yeah. to be, you know, there are families, especially where I live. I live in, in, in the, the eastern part of Essex. There is a lot mm. of poverty around where I live. There are, you know, I, last year I ran a, a fuel for school breakfast club that that provided children with a breakfast every Wednesday completely for free no questions asked um, because there are 500,000 children who go to school in the UK every day too hungry to learn um, and that's an affordability factor how many um, 500,000 half a million children half a million children are going to school every day in the UK too hungry to learn um, and so for me, it was, okay, what can I do? Um, how can I help? I'm one person, but I can help somebody. And for me, that was just setting up a breakfast club. We, we run it for um, eight or nine weeks, I think it was. Um, mm. Just providing beans on toast, cereals, fruit juice, that kind of thing, just to, to try and um, just make some kind of a dent in those numbers. Uh, you know, you can't really impact much of a change to those numbers, but you can change... Um, something for some children um, and well you never really know I think the thing is you start a spark of something and you never know who you inspire or who you come across and you know well all, I think all the big movements start with one person doing the right thing yeah. um, so I wouldn't tell I wouldn't sell yourself short on that one um, but that number that's terrifying uh, I mean coming from Australia half a million children yeah. that are too hungry to learn I mean, still, this idea that you're being having snack warnings to me is absolutely ridiculous. Um, if someone asked, if I mean, if I was a kid now and someone asked to check my lunchbox, I'd tell them where to go. I don't care to be a teacher. <laughs> well, it's none of your, yeah. your damn business, is it? I mean, I'll eat what I want to eat and yeah. I'll wear the consequences. So I think it's important as well to recognise that it's not the children that, uh, well, apart from Sharon, who said that she's, She's doomed um, to, because her 11-year-old her packs her own lunchbox. I think at that age, that's fine. Um, but, you know, for the most part, kids aren't packing their own lunch. Um, oh, Holly's so good. She's better. Kids aren't packing their own lunch. So, you know, by, by humiliating a, a child, by pointing out that actually they haven't got a healthy lunchbox, um, it's mm. redundant because the conversation needs to happen with the parents and that's when yep. the barriers are going to be broken down where the parents have the opportunity to say, you know, sending them to school with one out of a six pack of chocolate bars that was, I don't know, 70 pence and one out of a multi-packet of crisps, you know, the cheap 
budget crisps that, that was a pound in the, for 12 packets it's much cheaper than sending one out you know a, an apple out of a bag of five that also costs a pound you know so it's an, there's definitely an affordability um issue there and yeah, you know, you can you can talk all, all the day long about the rise of obesity in children, but you have to get mm -hmm. to the cause of it before you can start pointing fingers at the parents. Yeah, I think that I think that's really well said. Um, it's not. I think the the obesity if there is an issue. It's not. It's not often the core issue. There's other reasons around it. Mm -hmm. um, finances, definitely, from what you're saying, is one. Um, yeah. I've also said mental health obviously comes into it a lot. If you're not feeling so good about yourself, that can really play into it. And yeah. I think the issue with a lot of these sort of well-intended, I don't even know if they're well-intended, but let's say they are well-intended initiatives like snack checking, they mm -hmm. completely miss the point. There's absolutely no point shaming a child when they didn't even pack their own lunch. And um, yeah. it's funny because you mentioned that you were shamed at the dance school when you were like five yeah. or six. Mm -hmm. I remember being told when I was seven or eight that I threw like a girl by my sports teacher. Wow. It's interesting. Like, like, how, like a girl is a bad thing. Exactly. Wow. And and I look at that in so many different ways now, but it's interesting that I remember that, and that's like 30-something years ago, but it still mm -hmm. sticks with me to this day. Yeah. And I'm sure the sports teacher doesn't remember it and probably didn't even mean anything by it back then because back then it was a, it was a, acceptable to say something like that as an insult. Yeah. But it stuck with me till now. Like I'm not cut up by it, but I remember it. Mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting. And I, I do feel for teachers as well, because at least in Australia, they are overworked, underpaid, and they yeah. do deal with a lot of crazy parents as well. Oh, definitely. And I think that is the case, you know, teachers, I'm crazy parent, um, but teachers aren't, they're not making this stuff up themselves. You know, the, the snack checking and the lunchbox checking, that's coming from somewhere. You know, it's not something they're making up on their own. Um, so exactly. we have to be a bit forgiving on them. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the fact that you've mentioned that People who don't feel particularly good about themselves tend to to lean for comfort, oftentimes on food. Um, I have been accused so many times, and I'm sure any there are a few people watching here. Um, I know Catherine Henry; she's an incredible activist, Bopo activist, and does some amazing things, especially in the plus size sector. She will tell you that anybody who is in the plus size community or industry mm -hmm. has been accused of glorifying obesity, and it's 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 such a two-dimensional view because mm. what we do is try to make people feel good about their bodies and people who feel good about their bodies and who are confident yeah. are more likely to feel confident enough for example to go to a fitness class to go out for a run that's obviously not why we do what we do um i think that emotional well-being and emotional strength um and emotional health is equally important to physical health. And there are a lot of people Absolutely. who pretend to be do-gooders who raise completely illegitimate and invalid concerns about, oh, you know, that person doesn't look healthy. Um, there is there is not a lot of um, there is not a lot of uh, research that actually can say that by looking at someone's physical body, you can tell whether or not they're healthy. Um, I know some incredible plus size fitness instructors, um, my friend Tracy, um, you know, one of the best people I know, she ca she's completed like beach, beach body workouts time and time again, she completes the whole Sean T workout, I could never do that, um, and, and she's a plus size girl, she's one of the strongest yeah. women I know, 
Um, so these, you know, like you say, well-meaning comments about other people's bodies, people just need to mind their own business, mostly. Oh, sometimes they're not even well-meaning. Sometimes no. they're not well-meaning at all. Um, sometimes Absolutely. they are, but sometimes they're definitely not. Um, and I, yeah, it's, uh, we've talked about body positivity because it, it comes from all sides now. Like people are ashamed for being too skinny. People are ashamed yeah. for being too too big. And it's like, and we're comparing, I don't even know what we're comparing ourselves against, to be honest. There was, I shared an article on my personal Facebook the other day about this Instagram influencer, I think came off a reality TV show. Um, yeah. And her Instagram photo was very obviously photoshopped because a staircase in the back had been warped. Um, so even though she looked amazing and everyone thinks she looked amazing, she didn't think she looked good enough to put a photo up on Instagram. Um, so it is, it's, it's really, really sad. Uh, and because I'm doing the book at the moment and one of the questions is what's the biggest challenge? So many of the women have put comparison, particularly on social media. And that's yeah. not just a plus size thing. It's not a skinny thing. It's everyone is doing it. Yeah. I think the really dangerous thing is we're comparing ourselves to people who don't even exist. Those people and, and don't actually, look like that. We're being taught to compare ourselves to others as well. Um, in yeah. every single magazine, you're being sold. If you looked like this, your life would be better. If you had better, you know, if you had this expensive makeup palette, your life would be better. If you if you buy this magical cream or, you know, everything, especially in magazines, women's magazines are the worst. You're being sold something that tells you if you just, your life will be better. Instead of teaching that women actually, your life is good now. And if you if it's not good now, yeah. You can change it without a miracle cream or a pill or a palette. Or, those things you know, don't work anyway. Any, any Anyone who's tried those miracle, you know, lose 20 pounds immediately with no effort. It's like, yeah. But the, thing, the problem is, Natalie, that works. Making someone feel not good enough moves yeah. product. If everyone it's felt good about themselves, there'd be a lot of companies that went out of business, unfortunately. Yeah, they really would. That's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't buy a palette because putting on makeup makes you feel good about yourself. That's not to say you shouldn't buy a gym membership because working out makes you feel good. Um, I just think that, you know, whatever feels good for you, do it. And, and don't be fearful of other people's judgment because that's the only takeaway here. Um, if you want to, if you want to put on makeup before you leave the house every day, do it. As long as you're doing it for you because you want to and not because you feel like. Not doing it for someone else or doing it for society. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that got super deep, super quickly. <laughs> it really did, didn't it? Wow. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it boggles my mind. And I've worked with a lot of um, women and young women, especially. And it's really sad for me when I see them and they don't think they're enough. I mean, that applies to men as well. Uh, men have yeah. a slightly different experience and in terms. Men are told, like, you shouldn't cry, you're not strong enough, you know, yeah. don't be this, don't be that. If you show emotions, it's weak. And so they have an experience um, quite different, separate to women. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about this for ages, but we should probably move on. Sure. Um, Natalie, in terms of, like, we've talked about the pageant Planico, we've talked about you owning your own system. Those separately already, mm -hmm. to me, sound like full full-time jobs. So... Yeah. How did you find time to compete in a pageant or represent a pageant yourself? Like, didn't you, did you really hate your free time that much? You decided, I'll, I'll do one myself because. 
Well, Royal International Miss is a system that I followed the journey of for a couple of years. Um, it looks absolutely incredible international level. The stage is huge. There are lots and lots and lots of contestants that get involved. And, um, you know, we, I've been watching girls from the UK compete for a couple of years. I was sister queens with Holly Robinson, who um, is now the director of Royal International Miss UK. Uh, we were under the same kind of fund of systems, so much like Holly Peary has Incredible Pageant Girl UK that mm -hmm. encompasses a couple of different systems. There was another um, kind of umbrella system that existed a couple of years ago that doesn't now, um, but we found ourselves sister queens and um, I think we were competing around about the same time at International and Holly won her title. And, you know, she she won that title over maybe 60 or 70 other girls. It was incredibly competitive. Wow. Um, and, you know, watching her journey and she got to go to New York um, and she got to go and watch Miss America and she got to go to the Miss America shoe show. I might have got that completely wrong. Um, and then she went on a cruise and just had the most phenomenal year. Um, I started mm. following a little bit of interest, like, you know, this, this looks really good. Um, and I was set to compete um, in 2019. So last year, at the beginning, the very, very beginning of last year. And my world kind of started falling apart. Um, I had a lot of, um, there was a lot of conflict. I was going through something really personal. I was in a really, really bad way. Um, and that was actually to do with Miss Voluptuous. Um, you know, I, I will be quite honest and say that, you know, we weren't in a very good space. Um, and actually the longevity of the system really was on the line um, because yeah. of a few individuals. And... It, it was a shame, um, but it really did put me in a bad place. And I, I withdrew from the competition I was meant to be competing in. And, and I said, you know, what? I, I, I was too fearful to compete in this country. Um, I was too fearful to step on a stage. I thought that, you know, when you get into that space where everything seems to be going wrong, you think everybody hates you. And social media is really good for kind of spreading that wildfire, thinking, you know, stirring up yeah. some drama. And it, it happened. And I think it happens to everybody at some point. Um, but it really got to me. And it, Holly reached out to me. She said, listen, um, I see what you do. I, you know, I've been following Q4. I, I, yeah, I see everything that you do. Um, why, why won't you compete for the role model competition um, at, at UK level? And I said, you know, I, I can't, I just can't bring myself to do it. You know, the very same reason that I'd withdrawn from the previous competition was that I just couldn't bring myself to get on a stage. Um, and she said, okay, well, I want to make you my England role model. And having someone put that level of trust and faith into me, um, was incredible. Uh, she gave me the opportunity. She said, you can compete at international in 2020 or you can compete in international for 2021 because in the role model competition at Royal International Miss, they take two years of service into account for everything that you've done. So it's not just oh, wow. about like what you've done in your year. It's actually what you've yeah. done the year before that. And I think that can tell a much better story of who you are as a whole. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we all, we all know that people kind of amp it up when they're competing, uh, when you're going for a competition. Of course, you're going to have more focus. Of course, you're going to do more things. But I've, this... I've got no problem with the amping it up. I have a problem Not with people who fake it. That, ah. That's what I dislike. You know, when the pageant's over, there's no more charity work. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I, I see you. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. 
No, that's fine. So I think that was the fact that that would paint a really clear picture of, of who someone was a, as a whole. And knowing that, you know, I looked back through pictures of previous winners and there was no kind of this is what a winner should look like. And I'm very insecure, even as, you know, even as the director of this system, I'm very insecure about the way I look. I have this deep rooted insecurity. I grew up with a stunning sister, beautiful, gorgeous hair, gorgeous nails, gorgeous face, gorgeous skin, um, athletic build, um, phenomenal. So that was, that's kind of like quite deep rooted in me um, from a very early age. And the comparison was there from family members, um, you know, oh, oh yeah, well, you know, you were built for comfort, not speed. Uh, or oh, you're just this, you're just cuddling up. Such a horrible thing to say. <laughs> I mean, it's all right to say about like a panel van, but to say that about a person, that's horrible. Wow. Well, uh, so yeah, I, so I, I had I had quite a lot of that, but then I got to look at the winners of um, Royal International Miss at, at international level, and I saw that there was a lot of representation. There was a lot of diverse um, backgrounds, eth ethnic backgrounds, body types. Um, you know, their mm. advocacies were all very different. Um, there was, you know, winners from all over the world. So it really spoke to me in a way um, that made me excited to compete again. And I've had, you know, 18 months now to try and heal um, and move on from what had happened and rebuild that confidence and that strength. And I think it was just, it was very important to me, actually. I have a life coach. I will put that out there. A uh, reason that I get through all of the things that I get through and do all the things that I do is I have a phenomenal life coach. And it was actually when everything started kind of going wrong for me in last summer. Um, I reached out. We, she was a pageant sister previously. So I'd known her. I trusted her. She had this incredible vision. And I reached out and I said, Nicole, I really need your help. Everything's going wrong. And she has just the most beautiful way of making everything make sense. And I think everybody needs someone in their life who makes everything make sense. And um, she became a sponsor for me, uh, a life coaching sponsor for my journey to Royal International Miss. And it was honestly the best decision I ever made. Um, and I've, I've moved on from everything that's happened. And I think that's really important as a person, not just as a pageant girl, that you have to let go of some of the stuff in the past. You don't have to forget about it, but you have to for forgive for yourself to mm. move on and, and have some kind of peace of mind and clarity. So that is what I did with her help. And it seems to have worked because everything is, is going really well. I mean, it's life, like the journey of life is such that, you know, something will come back up. I can promise you that much. Uh, and you just hope that you, you you deal with it better than you did last time. That, that's been my experience. Uh, 2020 yeah. for myself has, has had some parallels to what you just described. I won't go into the details, but you know, it's sure. not it's not all um, roses and sunshine all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. not to say anything about pageantry. People get it no. wrong. It's like it's life. I think it's any, any community, any industry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just important. It's, it's, it comes back to like age old wisdom, what we're told as children anyway. It's like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Yeah. And sometimes those sorts of like childhood wisdom, it's just, just remember yeah. that. I think sometimes we forget about it and get caught up in the drama of it all. And Yeah, it's, it's like the, the call out culture and the cancelled culture. And it, it can start as something so minor and it just snowballs into something entirely untrue and it just, it gets out of hand and goes wild. So 
yeah, yeah for me it's just like you know can we can we stop can we cancel cancel culture it's gross <laughs> just gonna have a look at some comments if that's okay oh you got loads of them you got people oh, saying nice. Oh, nice nice stuff about Sharon, you so Sharon Shelver, you found yourself some firefighters in the end too honestly so i've got uh four um country title holders for miss voluptuous and a lifetime queen and i couldn't have asked for better um i have sharon aisha kelly and rian and i have lauren who's my life lifetime queen and they are just so incredible and they really did um they were a, a massive pillar of strength for me when i was going through it a little bit because obviously when i'm going through it emotionally i have 30 other people to think about and you know five queens mm. to think about and it was kind of like how how do I be strong for them and they really did kind of come together and like come on we got this and and I you know yeah. it takes it takes a village to raise a child and the inner child needed some raising so <laughs> um yeah like I say like I said right at the beginning of this interview the the pageant the pageant contestants at Miss Voluptuous have have changed my life in ways that I couldn't even begin to to explain um and you know they in a lot of ways um saved me from myself even um and to, to them I am eternally eternally grateful oh thank you Tracy you are an amazing role model as well there are a lot of comments, um, Natalie. I'll let you go back after this and reply to each yeah. each one of them individually. Um, that I'm sure they're going to keep coming in. Yeah. Oh, amazing! That's so kind. Oh, thank you so much, everyone. How lovely! It's gotten really deep and emotional in here. Yeah. Let's um, quiet in here. Too. <laughs> let's ruin that tone by moving Shall towards we? the end. Yeah. Okay. Let's go for it. All right, any shout outs that you want to do? I mean, you've said thanks to a lot of people, but any particular shout outs and thanks you want to give before we move to the final 10? Yes, let's go for a massive, massive thank you to Nicole Bozeman of Crystals, Diamonds and Pearls. She is my life coaching sponsor and she is just the most phenomenal individual. Go and like her page, show her some love. Massive thank you to every contestant of Miss Voluptuous since day one. Um, you know, I hold nothing but love in my heart for all of them, regardless of what they might think. Um, massive thank you to my queens. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a whole uh -huh. different story. But a massive thank you to my queens, uh, past, present and future. Um, and all across the world. Um, and to the people that have genuinely believed in me, my business, my pageant. Um, you know, to Holly, who has been, you know, my my cheerleader from day one. Just everybody who has waved their pom poms for me over the last few years. It it's a lot. It's it's a lot of people to try and get through. I hope I haven't forgotten anybody. But of course, you know, my other half and my children. They are excellent and. Um, you know, that support really starts at home. I'm very, very lucky to have that as well. Okay. Final 10. Are you ready? Oh, God. No, I don't think I am. <laughs> well, you better be, because here we okay. go. 10 questions to wrap up. Number one, what's your favourite okay. word? I don't know. Um, Favorite word, like just the, my most used word or my favorite word ever? What was that? Favorite word ever? Oh, 
I've got no idea. Forest. There we go. We'll go for forest. Ashley, remember you and Emma Collingridge have asked me these questions. So yeah, you I'm have. Sorry. I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> I'll shout out to Emma and Kim while I'm here. Shout out to Emma and Kim. I love them so much. They're the best. <laughs> yeah, Emma's okay. Um, oh. <laughs> okay, question number two. Let's go. Let us say when Emma was over, I had this picture of who I thought Emma was after I interviewed her. I have to say when she came over here and some of the stuff she was doing, like in a good way, but it's just like, I didn't know you were like that. Like she's when I got lapped at go-karting. She's a multifaceted diamond, ultimately. She's all right. Question two, what's your least favourite word? Oh, God, gusset is my least favourite word. What? <laughs> Gusset. gusset. <laughs> okay, so a gusset envelope, for example, could be an envelope that like it stretches, or it could be um the cotton part on the inside of your pants is called a gusset as well. Question three. <laughs> question three. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the version that I never give anyone of question three because I have to explain it, but I'm just gonna give you the actual version, which is question three, what turns you on? Okay. Um obviously I know the meaning of this. I know the question of this, and I'm I'm sure that you're not asking me personal questions that I wouldn't like to answer. No, but I had to start I had to start explaining it because people would go, Are you talking in like you know, and it's like, no. no. It's just, anyway. <laughs> well, I've asked you this question, so I know. Um, things that get me excited about life. Uh, women supporting women. Um, people who people who care about issues outside of their own existence. And there are, that's a broad uh, range of people, but that is what gets me excited mm. in life. People who aren't afraid to stand up for issues that don't affect them. Very, that's, what, nice. that's what a role model does, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah. I agree with that. Do mm -hmm. with more of that. Yeah. Question four, what turns you off? Oh, um, okay. What turns me off? Uh, people who are bitchy, bullies, gossip. Um, just people who are mean. Like, don't be mean. Don't be horrible to people. We're all a bit broken. We're all trying to heal here. Don't be horrible. Don't be mean. Don't go out of your way to make someone else feel bad. There's no need for that. That's what turns me off entirely. That, that doesn't just turn me off. That shuts me down. <laughs> I think the people who are nasty to each other are the most broken of everyone. Oh, definitely. You, you don't tear people down if you're happy with yourself. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. Question five. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, I I love this. Okay, so when going back to my favourite word, forest, I love trees. Like some people have a thing about water and being around water makes them feel really calm and the sound of water. For me, it's the sound of trees, whether it's birds in the trees, uh, the wind blowing through the trees, anything that is to do with trees, forests, woodland. Oh, I I love it. I absolutely it's where I'm at home. I just want to take off my take off my shoes and like be barefoot in the forest. That would be the dream for me. <laughs> I know you don't want to come to Australia because of the podcast. There's a tree here. <laughs> I do want to come to Australia. I'm just being a bit of a wimp about it. <laughs> just so you know, the saying is everything in Australia is trying to kill you, including the trees, because there's a tree here called the gum tree, the eucalyptus tree, which the koalas eat. Yeah. They are very, very tall, right? 
just one long trunk and then at the top are these really long very spear like uh branches that can be 20 30 feet long to give you an idea one fell on my car and smashed it when i wasn't oh. in it i was coaching at the time and then bang and the kids said haha your car's been crushed i was like thanks kids <laughs> those branches because that's the way that tree reproduces and it often happens during bushfires so bushfire is actually part of the reproductive cycle for this tree yeah if that falls on you it will end you so if you are having blissing out in the middle of an australian forest and you hear a crack don't keep meditating run <laughs> okay because it will okay. not end well for you okay right. i mean <laughs> is there a better way to go than in a forest being killed by actual nature itself with a big tree. Yeah, I mean, probably. Not going. <laughs> that went really dark for a minute there, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's not one of the questions. What? How would you like to die? That's not one of the questions. <laughs> I mean, I don't right. think I'd like to, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm gonna live forever. Question six: What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, the sound of people chewing. I can't stand it. It makes me aggressive. I'm quite a chill. I'd, I'd like to think I'm quite a chill person. I'm, I'm very much the personification of peace and love and, and um, sparkles and hugs and sunshine and stuff. But if you chew near me and I hear you chewing, I, I can't be responsible for my actions. I'm sorry, I can't. Something's going to happen and it's going to be completely involuntary. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you for that question. I'm picturing <laughs> yeah no definitely there's i'm gonna i'm going to be raging yeah please don't I, all, good to know mm. so when i fly over mm. to the uk next and i see you i'm mm -hmm. gonna mm. like literally okay. chew really loudly with your mouth open and and oh, make it sound as wet as possible wet um, moist yeah. And, you know, going over and over and you can just picture the food going over and over in your mouth and being ground up mm. by the teeth. And then, you know, mm. the tongue. Oh, is all nice. That. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Mm. yeah. See, the, the only reason why I do all these interviews is to find out what drives people nutty. So when I see them, I can inflict it on them. That's the honest mm. truth. So mm. glad I did this interview. Question Thank seven. Can't wait. If you could have any one superpower, what would it be? <sighs> and why? Travel. Time travel. Uh, history geek, uh, big history geek, massive history geek. Everybody who knows me knows that I love history. I love, I just love it. Um, but uh, also, I lost my dad when I was really young. I was fifteen, um, and whilst I know that you can't alter the events of history, ultimately, mm. um, I, a lot of who I am today came from healing from that and learning to grow around grief. Um, and you know, you can't you can't change big events like that in history, but I would want to spend just more time um, with him. Um, he was absolutely my favourite person in the whole world. So, um, yeah, it would be time travel for me because I think we can learn a lot about the future from the past. Um, and I've said um, a lot of times, which is what I tell people not to do. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah, so it would definitely be time travel for me. And for the reasons stated, we can learn a lot about the future from the past and history geeking love it sounds good guys i can see a load of comments i'm just ignoring them for now so we can get through the final 10 i will circle back to them at the end of the final 10 i can just see there's 23 comments i haven't read um <laughs> question eight what job or occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt
I did once have a desire to, I actually went as far as final interviews to join the British Army, which I think people will find really shocking about me. Um, I completed my interviews. I was pre-physical fitness assessment and then I um, I bust my knee and needed surgery, complete corrective surgery. So that was a kind of dream that was dead in the water for me. So it would perhaps be pursuing that route. But I think ultimately the, the biggest dream for me would be a casting director for the Disney Corporation. Um, I mean, the, the, there are a lot of comparisons that you can draw between being a pageant director and being a casting director, um, not even necessarily for Disney, but being a casting director for film and TV would be phenomenal. Anything, anything really that's quite creative um, is really my jam. So, or the next Philippa Gregory, maybe, uh, who is uh, an incredible historian and novelist. Um, so I like to write. I like to read. There's just a lot of things that I like to do. There's a million things that I would want to do if I was given the, the opportunity to do anything. All of them are creative. So, yeah. A wedding planner. I've, I've actually been a wedding planner. Amy Louise has said wedding planner. I was a wedding planner for two years and I I ended up becoming a wedding stylist instead because I didn't get the calls at two o'clock in the morning asking me what texture of napkins I thought would be best for the reception uh, when I was a stylist. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the question joke. nine. What job would you definitely not like to attempt? I would never be a doctor, a nurse or a vet. And because I'm just too sensitive, I'm too sensitive. I cry at everything. Um, and I think that doctors and nurses and vet veterinarians, surgeons, anyone who works in that prof profession is just so, so emotionally strong and inspirational because it's just not something I think I could do. I would go into blind panic in an emergency situation. I would, I'm just too, yeah. I'm too sensitive, too, too sensitive. I used to have a job working for child protection and family support, and I lasted about three weeks. Oh, wow. I, I was, I, I yeah. no, no, uh, not, no. not the industry for you. I don't no, think. Not. I, I, no, I'm still trying to recover from that. So it was, it's a lot. And I yeah. think anyone who's able to um, put themselves on the line and do a job like that deserves endless applause, not just every Thursday at eight o'clock on your doorstep. So the, the people of the UK will know exactly what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about as well. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen I've seen the posts. I've, I follow yeah. the news. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Mostly, definitely not. You got the wrong bus. <laughs> You're um, going down there. Like, this isn't the place for you, but don't worry, where you're going is quite warm. Um, you might like that coming from the UK. I don't know. That might sound like a really great <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, warm, eternal warmth. Mm. Um, I think I would want, if, if heaven exists, um, I would want God to say, um, they've been waiting for you. And I can't really say much more than that because I'll cry. But that, that's what I would want to hear. Definitely. Let me quickly go through. God, the 32 comments. Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> what have I missed out on? Uh, 
Poppy, Jobby, Phoenix, Chocolate, Roll. Oh, I think people were oh, talking about your favorite words, and at least someone's put moist. Uh, <laughs> manipulation, the sound of rain. Everyone at home has been answering the question. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Erg, you, Tudor, wedding planner. Can't say I've ever had those four comments in a row before. Nurse, awesome. Tudor amazing. would be in reference to history. Uh, Sharon shares my love of history. She is actually uh, participates in medieval reenactment. That is a very interesting hobby. Uh, oh, yeah, really interesting. She's the most interesting person to talk to if you've got a, a passion of history like I have. So I'll just talk to her all day about it. It's amazing. Okay. Well, okay. we have covered a lot of topics. Yes, we some have. Some shallow, some not so shallow. But Natalie Carly, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And a huge thanks to everybody who has taken the time to comment as well. Really appreciate it. And can you run us through one more time the web addresses for the Pageant Planner and <laughs> please? Thepageantplannerco.com, www.missvoluptuouspageants.com and missvoluptuousuk.co.uk. No, I've got to change that, Adrian. It's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> After saying it now in the interview, like, I can't oh, say yeah, this. That, you say I'm it out loud and you think that sounds absolutely mad, doesn't it? Absolutely mad. Okay. All right, guys. Look, thank you so much for watching. Natalie, I'll keep you on the line for just a sec whilst I sure. hang up with the audience. But um, we will speak to you next time. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Adrian again. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to head up to pageantlaunch.com to join the launch team for our pageant review site. All you have to do is enter your email address. It's completely free. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with your friends and follow us on all our socials. Thanks, and see you next time.